Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tough talk about the military tonight. Tough talk about Joe Biden tonight. Durham investigation gets a blow or did it? All that's still to come on I'm Right. You ever heard of the Brewster Buffalo? Great name, right? The Brewster Buffalo. No, it wasn't an actual buffalo. It was a fighter plane. A World War II-era American fighter plane. And it was, I should say, beginning of World War II-era fighter plane. Because here's what happened. Just stay with me for a moment. Here's what happened. In peacetime, in between World War I and World War II, militaries try to advance, want to advance. They try to advance technologically. World War I was this huge wake-up call to everybody of, uh, I don't care how, ma- how many horses we have, we need machine guns and artillery. The technology has changed. And either you were investing in those things or you were getting your teeth kicked in. So post-World War I, everyone woke up. Oh my gosh, we got to be on the new thing. Uh, planes, they started using planes in World War I. They figured out they were going to be fighter planes. Let's develop some technology. Anyway, fast forward World War II. 
the Japanese bomb us at Pearl Harbor, and the Japanese have a fighter plane called a Zero. And here's the thing. The Brewster Buffalo sucked. We didn't know. We weren't sure. We didn't realize. You can look, you can go down a laundry list of things we were negligent, but the Japanese Zero was just simply a better plane than planes like the Brewster Buffalo. The Japanese torpedoes at the beginning of World War II, fantastic torpedoes. You know, go at the right depth, go off every time. American torpedoes, crap. Unusable crap. Wrong technology, bad technology, didn't advance fast enough. And as a result, many, many people died. When we talk about what we're about to talk about here, it's important for you to understand we're talking about death. Death of people you love, death of our sailors, marines, soldiers, airmen. We're talking about not waking up one day and finding out 13 of our brave warriors died in Afghanistan. That was painful enough. We're talking about waking up one day and finding out that 13,000 of them were at the bottom of the Pacific. The stakes we're talking about when it comes to modern warfare, they're drastic. And so when we talk about things like the military going woke or the military not advancing technologically, it all sounds like stuff. It almost sounds like you're trying to make an issue out of something that's not a big deal right now, right? Jesse, we're not at war. What's the big deal? Well, that, that's the thing. If war breaks out tomorrow, tomorrow, you don't get to snap your fingers and make a better fighter plane. You don't get to snap your fingers and, oh, nice, a new aircraft carrier. That'll be better. Technology, even developing it takes time, and then producing it takes time, and then testing it takes time. If you're behind the rest of the world, you might just find yourself losing a war. Do we have a military full of Brewster Buffaloes again? Heritage Foundation says we do. Heritage Foundation does some very sharp things. They did a test, not just on all the woke crap in the, marine, in the military. We'll set that aside for a moment. They did a test on our equipment, our readiness, our training. Are we ready to go? And man, we are not ready to go at all. Let's talk to the Colonel about that. Joining me now, Senior Research Fellow at the Heritage Foundation, retired Marine Lieutenant Colonel Lakota, uh, Dakota Wood, Semper Fi, Colonel. All right, it's your index. You edited it. I did not. It's obviously an eye-popping headline, finding out we have a military that isn't ready. What is this thing? Yeah, so we look at capacity, the size of the military. You know, can it do all the things we expect it to do? Is it ready? You know, are pilots flying, are gunners shooting, or ships sailing? And then is it modern enough? Do you have old equipment or do you have new? And so this index is basically a report card, and it says, how is our military doing this year? It's too small, it has ancient equipment, and people aren't flying, shooting, or driving to the levels that they should. So we looked at all the military services and could only come to that conclusion that overall, not the character of the people, right? I mean, the people are working their hearts out, uh, but the size of the military and all that, it's just in a weak state of affairs. Okay, let's focus on the, the first one of those things. You mentioned, is it big enough to do all the things it needs to do? Well, what is this index saying it needs to do? What are we needing to do that we're not doing right now? 
Well, you need to be able to go to war in more than one place at a time. So we looked at every major instance of uh, U.S. military power being used, you know, Korea, Vietnam, Desert Storm, Iraqi Freedom, and a host of other studies in the uh, 90s and early 2000s, and they all come to about the same conclusion, that it takes, for example, 15 Marine Corps battalions if the Marine Corps is called into war. So if you have something like Russia invading Ukraine, or China invading Taiwan, or Iran uh, trying to attack Israel, I mean, something like that, uh, and the U.S. were to get involved, you have to be able to take care of one and not have used all of your military such that another competitor enemy uses that as an opportunity or an exploitable opportunity to do what they want to do. So we've got obligations all over the world. We've got interests all over the world, economic relationships, and the current military in its size is really only able to do one major war of, of a regional sort of nature. And the reason we give it a, such a weak rating is even if you invested everything, old equipment and not training enough, where we think it's now at a questionable uh, level of capability to be able to, to handle even one major major fight. Old equipment. Why is our equipment old? You look at the budget, as I know you know very well, and the military budget is gigantic, and you think to yourself, man, that must be spending a fortune on new tech and fancy drones and everything every single year. But to hear you describe it, we are running steamships out there. Why are we old? How do we get old so fast? Most of the equipment was purchased under the Reagan presidency and fielded in the early 90s. Uh, all the defense spending that goes on kind of maintains that, right? But it doesn't replace it as fast as the old stuff is taken out of the system. So when we had heightened spending over the last decade, that was to fund current operations. You know, it's not a peacetime military exercising. You're actually doing combat ops. So munitions, fuel, flight hours on airplanes. And so that, that heightened spending was all in consumables. So right now, the average age of an Air Force fighter, F-15s, F-16s, that sort of thing, is 32 years old. Our ICBM fleet, the Minuteman III missiles and silos, uh, were purchased in 1973. They were meant to be there for about 10 years, and now we've had them for 50. Our aerial refueler, the tanker aircraft that the Air Force uses, uh, are averaging 50, 55, sometimes 60 years old. So it's stuff that we bought decades ago. We've used the heck out of it, and our replacement rates just aren't anywhere near the level of usage. Okay, uh, I want to focus on two things then if we're talking about getting old, because to be frank, I don't, I don't stress as much about the Army or Marine Corps, my beloved Marine Corps, getting old. Not that they don't need to be modern, but Air Force and Navy, when they get old, they can't catch up quickly if, if it goes down somewhere. How much older are, is our Air Force and our Navy versus, let's say, a near peer out there, China or somebody? Yeah, so China has been modernizing for the last 10 or 15 years. So even if they started introducing new stuff 15 years ago, that's still half as old as the stuff that we're flying, driving, and sailing, right? So you've had a dramatic expansion in the Chinese naval fleet from the low 200s, about 212 ships or so just 15 years ago, to now 360. Meanwhile, our fleet, since the Cold War, it was near 600 ships, 
is down to 292. I checked the numbers this morning, and by uh, the 2027 or so, we'll drop down to 280. So, I mean, China has nearly double the fleet. If you look at it on a ship-by-ship comparison with the 60 ships that the Indo-Pacific Command uh, usually has in their area against 360 PLAN, the PLA Navy ships, you're at a six-to-one disadvantage. So China has been modernizing for the last decade. Our stuff has been used at combat level rates and has not been replaced. And so they've got a much newer military learning lessons from us and stealing our intellectual property and research and development uh, findings while our stuff is being used and it continues to age. Okay, let's go to the training portion of it because you mentioned we're not out there blowing things up all the time in training. Now, that's news to me. I got out of the Marine Corps in 04. That's all we ever did was go out and do shoots and things like that. Have things changed in such in this in that recent time? Yeah, they have. You know, the average soldier or uh, you know, Marine Corps infantryman has a lot of small arms ammunition. But when you go to an anti-armor weapon like a javelin or a tow or something like that, they're so expensive, you know, on a per unit basis that maybe one person gets to shoot a live round and they're using practice rounds for other sorts of things. So, you know, again, consumables during the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, lots of people shooting a lot of things, but then you have to replace those inventories. So we haven't been doing it, and we're getting a lot of it now to Ukraine to sustain their fight against Russia. When it comes to flight hours, again, Cold War is a great reference, you know, major global competitor uh, opponent there. Uh, pilots would fly easily 250, 300, or in excess of 300 hours a year. Today, the average Air Force pilot is averaging less than 120 hours a year. They fly like once a week for about an hour and a half or thereabouts. So you just can't maintain competency if you're doing something for an hour or two once a week, you know, and you go throughout the year. All right, Colonel, finally, last question. Marine, Marines, you actually graded all the branches. Air Force did the worst. The Marines did the best. You actually gave them a strong grade. Why? What are they doing the others aren't? Well, they've uh, really putting their money into a modernization program. So they have almost an entirely new fleet of aviation, MV-22s, F-35B, the latest iterations of their attack helicopters. So the air arm is very good. The uh, old amphibious assault vehicle that you would remember so well, purchased in uh, 1972, uh, that is being replaced by the a new vehicle, the amphibious combat vehicle. So they've got new gear coming in, new optics, new weapons, new sensors, They're very, very serious about making sure that current readiness and the relevance of the force to uh, near-term fights is right where it needs to be. So we're really excited about the energy and the focus in that service. Semper Fi, Colonel, appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. Not all bad news. I know that was a lot, but we got to figure out the who's who and what's what, right? All right? Let's talk about Joe Biden. But first, let's talk about something that matters. It's near and dear to my heart. Meat. I love steak. And I don't like going out to eat my steak. I'll, I'll do it, but it's expensive, isn't it? Do you ever go out and eat steak anymore? It doesn't even have to be some high-end fancy restaurant. It's expensive. You can have steakhouse quality steak at home. You just don't have an oven that cooks hot enough to give it to you. That's what all those fancy steakhouses do. You know that, right? Super, super high heat. Get yourself a Schwank grill. 
We're talking about the tailgate machine. You want to bring this on a tailgate? Do it. Want to bring it out back while you grill? Do it. Want to do it in your kitchen? Do it. Totally portable. Cooks at 1,500 degrees. We're talking a steak done in three, four minutes. Pizza, three, four minutes. The best pizza ever. Because again, pizza needs high heat. And they have $150 off right now. $150 off. You have to go to schwankgrills.com. Promo code Jesse's what gets you $150 off. And then send me an email and show me pictures of all the stuff you're cooking. Schwankgrills.com. Promo code Jesse. All right? We'll be back. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. The Department of Energy released another 15 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, extending our previously announced release through the month of December. We need to responsibly increase American oil production without delaying or deferring our transition to clean energy. Let me, uh, let's debunk some myths here. My administration has not stopped or slowed U.S. oil production. Wow. Really? Let's find out if that's true. Joining me now, my friend Brian Dean Wright of the great President's Daily Brief podcast. I subscribe every day. You should subscribe. Actually, you only have to subscribe once. Never mind. I listen every day. Brian, um... Joe Biden hasn't done anything for our oil production. What are you talking about? Oh, man, that guy, fake news on that claim. So look, the bottom line from a permitting process and encouraging our oil and gas industry to drill, that's just not true. He is slowing down that process and he is disincentivizing the oil and gas industry from drilling because as he said, we're not going to stop in our desire for dirty green energy. We want solar and wind. We don't want any of that oil and gas stuff. So that is the, the big atmospheric condition, as it were, that's preventing a lot of uh, folks in the oil and gas industry from doing what they want to do, which is they're being prevented from engaging in, in their uh, de development of oil and gas. So Biden's just not right when he says that. Okay, I, I do find it funny that the president, actually in all of his advisors, they all say the same thing. We need to get off this filthy, disgusting oil and gas, and we're going to screw those scumbags over the first chance we get. Also, hurry up and make more oil while we switch to solar panels. Do I have that about right? Yes, we might say we're pushing on the gas pedal and the brake at the same time, which I'm not sure where most of us learn how to drive, but that's not usually how you do it because it ends up causing all kinds of problems. In this case, we have weird, crazy market conditions. Uh, we got a, you know this Inflation Reduction Act, which is really a climate change bill, hundreds of billions of dollars for solar. But although, by the way, we still need all that dirty, dirty, wonderful oil and gas. Doesn't make any sense. Well, he also uses this line, they love using this throughout, of they're making record profits. Companies are making record profits. Are the oil companies making record profits? What's going on? All right, so let's unpack this because Biden and his team continually attack three different groups of people, gas stations, refineries, and oil and gas companies. So let's start with the first one. 
Gas companies are not the boogeyman here, all right? They may make about two to five cents per gallon off uh, off your gas when you go to a station. Most of the profits that they make are actually in the convenience stores. So let's just be very clear with that one. And about 60% of every single store you see these gas stations, they're owned by a mom and pop outfit. So not a big corporate conglomerate. Second, the oil refinery issue. Biden has attacked these guys as well. But the issue here is we used to have 250 oil refineries in this country back in the 1980s. Today, it's half that number. So you have less capacity to make oil and gas and other petroleum products. So that's really the issue here. Plus, oil refineries right now are at 95, 99% capacity. So this is not a bunch of you know crazy refineries trying to squeeze out more profits. They may be making more profits, and they are, but that's because the, the oil and gas, I should say the barrel, the cost for a barrel of gas and oil is up tremendously. So that takes us to our last boogeyman, of course, the oil and gas industry itself, the folks who pump it out of the ground. The thing is they're not colluding to create the price of oil. It is a market-based decision. And that of course is being set by lots of different factors from the war in Ukraine to yes, there is an oil cartel called OPEC and OPEC plus. Those are the folks that Joe Biden just really made angry a couple of weeks ago when he said, hey, don't don't cut oil production. They were like, nah, we're gonna do it anyway. So the bottom line is, There is no boogeyman other than market conditions, and Joe Biden is just flopping around trying to blame anybody but himself. Okay, let's focus on the refining, because that seems like the obvious solution to this problem. You mentioned we're at half the refining capacity now that we were just a few decades ago, and the refineries we have are maxed out of capacity. So why not make more refineries? Yeah, great question. Those things cost billions and billions of dollars to build. It takes over a decade usually for those things to get permitted. So the question that any investor would ask is, hey, should I spend billions of dollars knowing that in this case, Joe Biden and the federal government want to shut down the oil and gas industry? They want to make sure that whatever I invest and in eventually gets torn down because we're going to solar and we're going to wind, right? So why would you do that? You wouldn't. That's a crazy use of money. It's like if you or I were to build a house, but the inspector would be like, yeah, you can build it, but in 10 years, we're going to knock it down and you're going to get nothing for it. Would we build that house? Nope, we sure wouldn't. And investors don't want to do the same thing with refineries. Which leads us to investor Bill Gates is his name. Well, this is what Bill had to say. The goal of climate is to get emissions all the way to zero. So it's not just cars, but it's planes, it's trains, it's cement and steel, it's uh, agriculture buildings. So we have to have ways in each of those areas of making it inexpensive enough that not just the rich countries, but the entire world uh, decides to get rid of the gigantic level of emissions we have today. The goal is to get to zero, Brian? Man, that almost sounds like human extinction. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. All right, think about this. So if we are going to build out a solar and a wind industry and all the batteries required for that, where are you gonna get the materials for that? How are you gonna extract that from the ground? Just the lithium, the cobalt that go in your batteries. You know, how are you gonna manufacture the solar panels? That requires a massive amount of something called polysilicon, major in, uh, you know, energy requirement. So when he says this, it just is belied by the fact that the alternative soil, or I should say uh, solar and wind and batteries, that's all an extractive process too. So we're gonna come up with the energy to do that. It's absurd, he knows it. And this zero emission stuff, 
is disconnected from reality unless you have a different goal other than just zero emissions and health of the planet. And that's why I think so many people who are reasonable say, something doesn't make sense about the zero emissions stuff. It's just bonkers, gotta be tied to something else. That's when, well, frankly, I think reasonable people would say, maybe he's up to something that we might not approve of, like, you know, human extinction or something. Which leads us to China. Surely they're coming along with us on this green agenda, right? Oh, daggummit. No, shoot. So here's the issue. 12% increase in coal production. That was the announcement made on Monday by the government of China. They are increasing their coal production and usage. And they also announced on Monday that they are going to increase both the drilling, the exploration for more oil and gas. So what China has done here, in fact, what President Xi said on Sunday was, we are going to ensure that we develop the old uh, before we try to embrace the new. And it's kind of a prudent thing, even though I hate China in particular, let's be honest, but it is a prudent way to move forward. If you wanna develop a new industry, go ahead and do it, but don't toss out the old, right? You gotta make sure that the new actually works. So that's what China's doing. So whatever benefit or we might get in terms of you know emissions by buying all those electric vehicles and such, China's just like, no, sorry, we're gonna do the opposite and undo all the progress you think you suckers are making. So love it, amazing. What an incredible time to live. Brian Dean Wright, President's Daily Brief Podcast. Thank you, my friend, I appreciate it. As always. <sighs> That's a lot, isn't it? All right, we have FBI news. I'm sure maybe you saw a headline, the Durham investigation. Someone was acquitted. What's going on there? We'll talk about that really quickly next. Before we talk about that, let's talk about the fact you need a nap every day. Three, four in the afternoon. Maybe you get a chance to take that nap. Maybe you don't. But man, you hit that wall every day, don't you? I know what it's like. I've been there. I'll just, you know, another cup of coffee. I know. Fellas, testosterone levels are in free fall. It's not your fault. There are estrogens in the waters and the plastics. You freaking shower in them. 50% in 50 years. They've been cut in half in 50 years. Get yourself a male vitality stack subscription to chalk. Natural herbal supplements. A hardcore anti-communist company. And let me tell you what, that three in the afternoon wall, bye-bye to that. Ladies, there's a female vitality stack. Get yourself some lit powder. I've been taking this stuff for seven, eight months now. Man, the difference in how you focus your energy, it's awesome. Go to choq.com, promo code JESSE. Sign up for the subscription because that gets you 35% off the lifetime of it. Cancel it at any time. If it doesn't do what I tell you, cancel it. choq.com, promo code JESSE. We'll be back. Igor Dechenko, probably heard that name. And I'm, I'm gonna do the best I can to take this from a 30,000 foot view because this is what happens whenever we talk about corruption at the FBI in 2016 in the election. What happens is you get all these different names thrown against the wall and you get lost. I know I do and I know the stuff, I get lost. Well, a crossfire hurricane with the steel dossier but the FISA court and FBI and they're, oh my gosh, I'm lost. Here's what you need to know. We have Durham, Special Investigator Durham. He is supposedly 
looking into all the malfeasance at the FBI with the 2016 election. As you know, we know there was dirty things done, very dirty things done. And I'll be honest, in the beginning, it looked like, oh, that, that might be kind of hopeful. We had this Kevin Kleinsmith guy. Remember this FBI lawyer, Kevin Kleinsmith? Boom, gets busted. What did this guy do? Get this. It's a really big deal to get a FISA warrant. Huge deal, because you're getting a warrant to spy on the American people. Or you're violating someone's civil rights. So you have to apply for it if you're the FBI. You don't just say, hey, give me his FISA warrant. Well, Kevin Kleinsmith lied. Lied. In black and white, lied. As an FBI lawyer, he lied to get that warrant. Durham takes him to trial. Convicted. Doesn't spend a day in jail, though. Wait a minute, that doesn't seem like justice. That An FBI lawyer abusing his position like that? He should go to prison the rest of his life. Not one day in jail. Got probation. He's still practicing law. Okay, okay. But what else? What else we have on the table, Durham? Igor Dachenko is the latest one. Ooh, sounds very Russian, right? Igor, definitely a Russian guy. He just got acquitted too. Michael Sussman. He's off scot-free too. So let's go ahead and count the Kevin Kleinsmith one as nothing, considering he didn't spend a day in jail, and he's still practicing law, making a fortune. We now have Sussman gone, Dechenko gone. So I'm going to throw something out there. You don't have to agree with me. That's fine. But I'm just going to throw something out there. Why should I trust Durham? Jesse, he's got an impeccable reputation of, of attacking corruption at the FBI. No, no, he does, he does, he does. But that's his reputation for sure. Don't tell me about what you've done. Tell me about what's happening right now. What am I seeing? Because right now we have a federal law enforcement arm that is completely out of control. A full-blown Democrat partisan organization weaponizing itself to attack all the opponents of the Democratic Party. Durham... We were told that Durham was appointed to get, he's going to get them back in line. Okay. Three guys, nobody in jail. Three guys, nobody in jail so far. I think this whole thing stinks. I think this whole thing was the, oh man, something went wrong. Hey, I won't, we're going to have an internal review, guys. They, hey, it's, we're going to have an internal review. Don't worry. We're going to. We're going to find out who did it. We're going to get on top of it. This reeks of the internal review. That's what this reeks of. This reeks of the system taking care of its own. You want to know why guys, horribly corrupt guys like Tim Tebow, who just left the FBI, do you want to know why he gets requests from the House GOP and he basically sends them back a picture of two middle fingers every single time? I'm not cooperating. Up yours. It's because Tim Tebalt seems to understand something we on the right had better wake up and accept here. We have a justice system in this country that is never, ever, 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 ever going to keep itself in check at a federal level. Certainly not with these Washington, D.C. show trials. Honestly, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but go ahead and miss me with the next story about the, the corrupt FBI guy who's going to have a trial in Washington, D.C., in 92% Democrat Washington, D.C. You notice how the January 6th protesters all get the book thrown at them in 92% Democrat Washington, D.C.? 
the FBI lawyers and FBI people, informants who spend their time going after Republicans, they all seem to get off scot-free. But don't worry. Don't worry, Durham. Definitely Durham. Durham's coming down any moment. Durham's going to bring the hammer down. Look, he, he's probably going to bring the hammer down on Peter Strzok. Remember, Peter Strzok, he actually had to leave the FBI. He's so corrupt. I mean, I bet you that guy is... I bet he's hiding out in his apartment right now, probably waiting for the feds to come get him and march him off for jail. Who knows? Oh, wait a minute. No, no, he's not. He's getting paid by MSNBC. 9-11 was a tragedy. We lost thousands of lives in a horrific way. We still mourn to this day. But when you look at something that is an attack on democracy, something that could actually bring about a fundamental change to American governance as we understand it, 9-11 is nothing compared to January 6th. Okay, let's just pause on that for just a brief moment before we before we go. We gotta go. We gotta go talk to my buddy Jack Brewer. So I can't spend forever on this, but just pause for a moment. Let's think about 9/11. All right. So he just said 9/11 is nothing compared to January 6th. Okay. All right. Well, I want you to think about everything the United States government did, everything domestically, foreign, everything they did in response to 9/11. Now I want you to think about them doing the same thing against their enemies on January 6th. Are you awake yet to what's happening in your country? You better be. All right, I'll talk to Jack Brewer here in a second. First, let's talk about getting the smells out of your home. Let's talk about getting your allergies better. Fall is here. I don't know if that's official, but it feels like fall's here. It's certainly cooler where I live. I know what you're going through. I know, I used to go through it all the time with the cedar blowing in, if I know, I know. You know, I don't have allergies anymore, thanks to Eden Pure Thunderstorm. They're gone. Eden Pure Thunderstorm, it's just this little black box. Gets plugged in the outlet in the wall, and it cleans your air constantly, constantly cleaning your ear. The thing is freaking awesome. And they have a sale. They have a three-pack for sale, because I own six of them, right? I bought one initially, and then I went out and bought two more. They have a three-pack for sale for my viewers. You have to go to EdenPureDeals.com. Code JESSE gets you a three-pack for under 200 bucks. That's $200 off. EdenPureDeals.com. Code JESSE. We'll be back. Anthony. Anthony, how old are you? 20. Are you a journalist? No. Well, you did better research than half these people. Um, let's talk about election deniers. Here's 150 examples of Democrats denying election results. Oh, wow, look at this. This is from, this is from uh, Joe Biden's press secretary. Reminder, Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. Democrats saying that. Is that an election denier? Oh, look at this. Just heard Republican Ryan Costello said it would be difficult for Stacey Abrams to win because she lost her state bid, but yet she's still claiming she never lost. This is outright Hillary Clinton. Trump is an illegitimate president. Is she an election denier? So it's okay for Democrats to question elections, but it's not okay for Republicans. It's a crock of BS. Every one of you knows it. We have our freedom of speech, and we're not going to relinquish it to a bunch of fake news propagandists. If you want a copy of these, 
I'm sure that we're, Anthony would help you get a copy and help you learn how to be journalists, but look it up. It's been happening for a long time. That was, of course, Carrie Lake, but I want to talk more about that handsome gentleman over her right shoulder. Jack, I thought I spied you there when I saw that clip a couple days ago. Joining me now, Jack Brewer of the Jack Brewer Foundation. What are you doing out there in Arizona? I, I, I can't hide, but, you know, supporting um, my, I call her my girl, Carrie Lake, man. Uh, she just inspires me the way that she leads, the way that she really addresses and articulates uh, the conservative message, particularly when uh, it's being attacked from all fronts uh, and just bringing truth to people right away. And so uh, I've done everything in my power to support her. Uh, it was an honor to, to, to speak on behalf of her uh, and to, to lead that event, uh, co-hosting it there with her and, and asking her those hard hard questions, but those questions that need to be addressed uh, in order for us to, to help not just those folks in Arizona, but to set an example for this nation. What hard questions? Well, first off, the, the hard questions uh, coming from the left, uh, particularly on how are we going to take care of this border and protect uh, the citizens of the United States of America and the, and the hurting citizens of other nations that are flooding our, our, our borders uh, and, and coming into our country, spreading drugs and, and committing crimes. How do we control that? It's not good uh, for the folks that are coming over here the right way. Uh, and so we need to really get to the root cause of our immigration and our border crisis. Also education. Man, our education system now is turning to a, a bed for indoctrination versus actually educating kids uh, and teaching kids righteousness, right? Something with some spirituality. They wanna split kids up by their race. They wanna tell kids that they can switch their genders. They wanna hide uh, surgeries and, and, and homosexuality and all these other things from parents. Uh, and so it's just, it's become really difficult uh, for a lot of Americans to take it. And then obviously the economy. I mean, inflation is, is screaming. Uh, you got these people tapping the, the oil reserves of this nation while they've cut off um, the pipelines and cut off production here in our own country. They want to go to other places uh, and strike deals uh, with, with dictators to bring oil into America. I mean, some of this stuff is unbelievable. And so we need people like Carrie Lake that are going to address these hard issues, the majority of them that have come about from the Biden administration. I'm glad you brought up the kids. Let's focus on that for a second, Jack. I saw a number yesterday. I wasn't surprised by it, but at the same time, it was one of those things that kind of nails you in the heart. Uh, mastectomies for children <laughs> soared 389% from 2016 to 2019. Okay, Jack, so it, it, let's, let's be honest. We're grooming children now. We're grooming children into the LGBTQ mob so we can mutilate them and exploit them. And it, it's just, it's, it's really the height of evil. It really is. I contend that we have made a mistake on the right, that we believed that there could be some kind of neutrality in education. Send your kid off for eight hours a day and he'll just learn math. That the communists moved right in and took that over. That there can't be a neutrality. We do want teachers to teach values in our society if we want the country we want. No doubt, you know, freedom without righteousness doesn't exist. And I think in the United States, people are, are starting to understand that, that our founding fathers assumed that we would have some foundation of truth, some foundation of morality. Well, without morality, uh, your freedom means nothing. 
uh, because people will be able to take freedom uh, and take it as far left as what we see. And so I think it's really a wake up call for those on the right and conservatives and people that I'm not even going to say on the right people that believe in common sense. I don't care if you're right, left, Democrat or Republican. This is not the Democratic Party of my parents or my grandparents. These people have completely lost their mind and we need to put them in check. We need to put men and women in power who can articulate the message so that people understand. And when the when the when the left comes and starts talking about racism and starts talking about sexism and all these other things that they want to point their fingers at, we need to come back with truth. And we need to show folks that it's not about your skin color. It's not about your sex. It's about us all being yoked as one America to fight for the freedoms that our founding fathers put into those original documents behind God. Jack, I'm going to ask you about the Kanye West thing, not because I ever pinned any hopes on Kanye West, just because I find it fascinating. I love having uncomfortable conversations. It's one of my favorite things, especially when I get to friends who have a different religion than mine or have a different background or something. I love, I love saying it in uncomfortable ways with my friends and we'll have nice talks about it. I think that's how we grow. Kanye West come, came out recently. Obviously, everyone knows who he is. And you saw he's blasting Jews. He's got some kind of an issue with Jews. I don't, I don't know what that would be, but I don't mind it. I realize how offensive that can be to people, but I don't mind people saying offensive things and having conversations start. Where's the danger of people saying something? Even if you think it's crazy, you're wrong, say it and let's talk about it. You know, it's like anything else, right? I can sit here and I can talk about Mexicans or black people and there's certain uh, segments of, of every population that has issues, but I don't think we can blanket everybody. But to your point, the conversations yeah. always need to be had. And we need to be able to have those type of discussions here in the United States of America, because without those discussions, we don't end slavery. Without those discussions, women don't get the right to vote. Without those dis discussions, we never overturn Roe versus Wade. And so there's always going to be a need for us to have these type of discussions to have real movement in our nation. We have to take our emotions out of it. And remember that we love thy neighbor as thyself and keep that as what what is rooted in and what is pure for all of us bringing us together. And I can tell you right now, Kanye West loves America. Kanye West loves this country. He wants to wake people up to things that you may not normally or typically hear. He, he, he did an interview that was so fascinating talking about he put one hundred and forty million dollars into Chase Bank and to have them kick him out and treat him that way over this woke agenda, this ESG agenda that they're pushing. And he was saying this on behalf of every American who can't afford to put $140 million. He was saying, if they will do this to me, what will they do to you? And so Kanye West actually speaks for the people. He, he actually has enough courage to sacrifice his own well-being for the people of the United States of America. And so I think we need to understand where he's coming from, not agreeing with everything that he says, but understanding that this man is is a true patriot and is someone that we need his voice right now to continue to wake up people and open up eyes. Jack Brewer of the Jack Brewer Foundation. Thank you, my friend. Come back soon. God bless you, brother. Always a pleasure. Me too. All right. We got to lighten the mood next. The internet is a, uh, 
It is a funny place. There's some strange people out there. Funny people, but strange people. I'll show you in a second on Lighten the Mood. Before we get to Lighten the Mood, you're not stuck in that timeshare. You know that, right? A timeshare you got and you don't want any more. And you've been burning up the phone lines, sending them emails. I want out. They're saying, sorry, wrong number. Who's this? Should have read the fine print. And you're paying those annual fees that are going up every year and you want out. You can get out. Lone Star Transfer will get you out. I'm talking about a family company that's helped over 16,000 people get legally and permanently out of their timeshare. A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. These are people I trust all the way. The emails I get, the testimonials, they're awesome. Give them a call. 844-310-2646. or LoneStarTransfer.com. All right, it's time to lighten the mood. And the internet is a funny place. It's a wild place. People will, well, there's a couple things I've learned. People will, if you put up a picture of anything, I don't care if you're eating a meal, if you're grilling out back at your house, whatever, whatever you put a picture up of, people will zoom in on every little part of the picture to try to catch things in the picture. Oh, Jesse, your fly's undone. Like, like it's, it's one of those things. The internet's a weird thing. And there's something else weird about it. You don't think about this, or at least I don't think about it, but there are all these very odd people out there watching and people with a lot of time on their hands, I guess, watching whenever you go on and do something. Well, I used to go on uh, Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News all the time. I haven't been on in ages, but I used to go on all the time. And one of the more famous things I said on there was about the Chinese skulls thing in the Communist Party of China got mad at me and wrote articles and stuff like it was great. But this was, I mean, gosh, this was probably a year ago when I said all this. I didn't know until a couple of days ago, somebody, someone sitting at home took that whole thing and like made a weird looking cartoon of it. And why are my eyes so close together? Anyway, here it was. What we're going to end up seeing, Tucker, is thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of Americans die. That's, those are the stakes of the game we're playing here. We don't need a military that's woman-friendly. We don't need a military that's gay-friendly, with all due respect to the Air Force. We need a military that's flat-out hostile. We need a military full of type A men who want to sit on a throne of Chinese skulls. But we don't, we don't have that now. We, we can't even get women off of naval vessels. That should be step one, but most of them are already pregnant anyway. So true. That's so weird. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country, giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. 
From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.